0: belmont
1: and i'm tom Merritt,
0: and this is a science fiction fantasy podcast and book club and video show and anthology and all sorts of things if you love sci-fi and fantasy uh this is the place for you
1: we are essentially uh like the old ones reaching our tentacles out into every corner of genre fiction
0: i was trying to actually think of a good cthulhu quote <laughs> at the
1: <end> of <laughs> yeah sentence. i could it just- i I Ralea, sort of punted.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't actually know how Ralea. to pronounce the things. <laughs> Ralea
1: is about as far as I can get.
0: That's it. Me too. Okay, yep. great. If only Bonnie <laughs> Burton were here.
1: I know. We need you, Bonnie.
0: She could help us. Um, but yes, it's been an interesting week. It's been an interesting mm. month.
1: You mm. broke parts of your body.
0: A few parts, in fact.
1: Not a fantasy or fiction, or but science A lot of
0: science involved, involved, yes. Um, I I fell playing tennis and I broke my wrist and I uh, badly sprained and chipped a bone in my ankle, but the ankle's coming along nicely. Um, But I found out on Monday night that I needed to have surgery on Tuesday morning. And so suddenly now I'm sitting here with a big wrapped up painful wrist and um i'm on a lot of pain medicine so this should be an interesting show
1: <laughs> the show's gonna get more interesting what are you on what are you drinking
0: what oh i ooh, i don't know if i want to say it's it's pretty intense stuff
1: why um, is it secret no it's i mean secret. it's prescription yeah, <laughs> it's not prescription. like you're stealing i'm it. on
0: oxycodone kind really of Wow, um, but I'm, I'm I usually do half a pill at a time because otherwise I just fall asleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we don't I'm that on, on the show.
1: I'm on Guinness.
0: I'm jealous. I wish I were on Guinness.
1: Well, we you'll you'll get this episode in the audio feed in the feeds in a in about a month. But we just interviewed Anthony Saint Clair, who's a, a craft beer writer as well as a uh, genre fiction writer, and so I thought it was appropriate to have a beer. It turns out he had been up all night with his kids. so he was drinking oh. coffee, and of course Veronica can't have beer, no. but. That's not going to stop me from finishing it.
0: Well, good. I'm happy you're having a beer. That's very exciting. Um, so yeah, no no fancy wines to talk about in the Water Are We Drinking segment this week. But that's okay, because we have tons of other stuff going on the show. And in fact, let's kick things off with the quick burns.
1: SF Signal is reporting the Arthur C. Clarke Award nominees, or finalists rather, they're not nominees at this point, uh, have been announced. Arthur C. Clarke Award is given to a book in science fiction published in, in the UK. It doesn't have to be by a UK author. Author just has to have been published in the UK.
0: I still find that surprising. I still kind of feel like it should be by a British writer. Well, I don't know why. I mean, I guess it it would be,
1: I mean, I think there are other prizes for that. Mm -hmm. This is just saying, like, hey, UK, big publishing market. What was the best book published in the UK?
0: Yeah.
1: Kind of like we would do in the United States.
0: Not surprised to see Ancillary Justice up there. Like no. I said, I'm just putting that, that, that pony's going to town. And Leckie you. is
1: just kicking ass, let me tell you. Uh, Christopher Priest, The Adjacent, also in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nexus by Ramez Naim. Uh, Cameron Hurley's God's War. Philip Mann's The Disestablishment of Paradise. James Smythe's The Machine are the other finalists. Congratulations to them all.
0: Absolutely. Very exciting stuff. Um, And then we have a post over here on Wired, uh, which says people who use e-readers dive far deeper into books. Now, I find this very interesting because I feel like there have been a lot of discussions, um, a lot of blog posts recently from people saying that, you know, e-reading is still not a true form of reading. Sure. You're still missing something. There's something lost in the translation from from physical book to to e ink, and I I don't agree with that. So I, I'm kind of happy that there's a little bit of you know stuff on the other side. People, well, this is people defending e books.
1: This is a, a survey by a UK charity called Quick Reads, their literacy group, and they're trying to encourage adult readers. They did a survey, and according to that survey, and this is just in the UK, 48% of UK adults who use e-readers say the technology gets them to read more. In addition to that, 41% of respondents reported that being able to look up words they don't know makes makes reading easier. They also found 62% of e-reader users say that access to free digital books has led them to titles they otherwise wouldn't have picked up. Now, I know there's one of you at least. You know who you are. Out there saying forty eight percent means that fifty two percent don't get to read more. that's not the way the survey breaks down forty eight percent is the time ty- It's like you know when the president wins with forty eight percent of the vote the forty eight percent said it got them to read more, and then there's others like about the same and read less and read more was more than reading less. All right, I it think- makes sense to me because i I find myself reading books faster on e-reader than I do if they're in print. I'm reading altered carbon in print and I re- I didn't realize like, oh wow, I actually have to have the book with me if I want to read it. <laughs> I can't be like, oh, it's on my phone. I'll just right. read that version for a while.
0: Yeah, like, oh I've got the Kindle at home, but now I'm I'm waiting in line at the grocery store. Yes. I have 10 minutes to kill. I'm gonna pick it up on my phone and read it that way. Or, you know, even you know switching over whisper sync wise to the audiobook, for example, if that was available. I'm not sure if it is in this case. Um, but there's there's so many different ways that you can absorb absorb content when it's digital as as opposed to to when it's just in book form.
1: And yeah. even if you're a person who's just got one device, right? And that's one of the points they make is a lot of people in adult literacy programs don't even have one device. So this isn't the, the cure-all for, for adult literacy. But even if you only have one device, you're likely to be using that device maybe for something else, maybe for a game or browsing the web. And then you'll see, oh, right, my book is here. Maybe I'll read that now. It just kind of puts it in front of you more, I think.
0: Yeah, I love that I can even... Buy things, pre-order books, for example. Forget about them, and
1: then, and then they then show up. The book up. comes
0: up, and suddenly you're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so excited that this book Surprise. by myself, this author I love is right here. <laughs> and I can start reading it immediately." And I don't even know how much space is left on my Kindle because you don't even really need to know because you're never going to fill it up,
1: right? It's you, like, you can just put impossible. stuff in the cloud anyway. So, right. anyway.
0: Ebooks for the win. I'm still a big fan.
1: Now, one thing ebooks cannot do for those of you who are like, oh, I'm a print person, uh, you can't be a pop up book. That is as, true. As an ebook. <laughs> and you can't be this amazing Game of Thrones pop up book that Carla Sinclair wrote about on Boing Boing, uh, where not only was it a pop up book of the buildings from Westeros. But then there was a special bit of instructions called unfolding the map taped to the back of the book, mm-hmm. which was actually unfolding the entire pop-up book, like disassembling it what? like some kind of puzzle box and turning it into a huge pop-up map of Westeros.
0: Oh, my God. This looks so cool. It's 42 bucks. You can buy this on Amazon and it's it looks incredible. I love how the wall looks. Did you see the picture of the wall?
1: Yeah. It's, yeah. The the whole thing is, I mean, it's certainly not to scale. Things are a little closer to each other than they would be mm-hmm. otherwise, but it's, it's got that, that feeling from the opening of the television totally, show, totally, right? Totally. It's, it's really cool.
0: Yeah. I kind of want this. That'd be a great coffee table book. Speaking of coffee table books, uh, actually, this isn't, a, it's not an actual book, is it? Is it? Well, it's It's an an e-book. J.K. Rowling. Hopefully, (laughs) I'm saying that right. I get corrected every every single time.
1: I hear rolling, but I don't know. Rowling, rolling.
0: rolling. I think it's rolling like bowling. Mm-hmm. I think that's what people keep saying. That's
1: what I have in my head. Yeah. Okay,
0: rolling like bowling. Well, uh, she has put up the first part of her two-part essay, History of the Quidditch World Cup, uh, which builds out the universe's popular sport. Now, this is a blog post over on io9. And as uh, Lauren Davis goes on to say, the one catch is that to read the essay, you have to register for Pottermore. But that's not, that's,
1: I that's mean, a way to you, get people to register. If you're
0: excited it. about Harry Potter, why you're, you're probably already a member of Pottermore. Right. Yeah,
1: most people we'll are that are going to be that excited about it. Twenty-four hundred words too, mm-hmm. sort of goes into the general background of the Quidditch World Cup. It's world-building stuff.
0: tournaments. I love this. <laughs> She's she's pretty intense with her world building. You have yeah. to, I mean, even if you're not a fan of the Harry Potter series, you've got to give her some credit because she builds the heck out of this world. I mean, there's yeah. so much backstory. And even the stuff she builds going forward, like talking about like after what happens after the, the books that she talks about all the time, I think that's really neat.
1: It's, it's just a really good thing for people who are like, I wish there were more Harry Potter books. Well, you can get a little... It's not a whole Harry Potter book. You get a little sample of that world here.
0: Yeah, I get a little something, something. Um, And we're going to give you a little something, something about what's coming up in the near future over in the calendar. On March 18th, we have the Time Traveler's Almanac by Anne Vandermeer and Jeff Vandermeer, and also Raising Steam Discworld by Terry Pratchett.
1: And yes, that's yesterday, but we normally would oh, have right, had the yeah. show yesterday. I was so going to you sorry. that came out.
0: Yes, that's ha- just, that happened yesterday.
1: To just, just be fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. then next week, March 25th, Truth and Fear by Peter Higgins comes out. Uh, William Shakespeare's The Empire Striketh Back by Ian Desher comes out. Lockstep by Carl Schrader and The Burning Dark by Adam Christopher. Yay! Yay Adam we just had our interview with him published in the feed this weekend
0: mm-hmm. uh, so the william shakespeare one is this what's the deal with this here is this the empire strikes back but written
1: yes well they, they they've already done a, a new hopeth I thought it's new a New hope i can't remember what it was called new uh, and then they have they have the the, the jedi returneth uh coming out soon okay. i think by the end of this year
0: do we want to move on to April 1st or save that for now?
1: Yeah, let's go ahead and give people a peek.
0: All right, April 1st. These are no jokes. Uh, we have The Baltic Gambit, a novel of the vampire Earth by E.E. E. Knight. We have Peacemaker, Foreigner Number 15 by C.J. Sherry. Games Creatures Play, edited by Charlene Harris and Tony L.P. Kellner. The Sentinel, The Sundering, book five by Troy Denning. The Goblin Emperor by Katherine Addison. Uh, I don't know how to say this one. Irenicon? Irenicon. Irenicon, yeah. yeah. book one of the Wave Trilogy by Aiden Hart and The Revolutions by Felix Gilman.
1: And yes, The Jedi Doth Return comes out July 1st.
0: There you go. The Jedi Doth Return.
1: Complete the whole set. <laughs>
0: nice. Well, uh, do we have an ad to read?
1: We yes, we must sponsors? thank our sponsor, audible.com. Over 150,000 titles to choose from fiction, nonfiction, bestsellers, every category imaginable. And I sign up for the alert that tells me the new science fiction and fantasy stuff. Oh, and always got good stuff. Mm-hmm. St- some things that I hadn't heard of, like things that coming out in audiobook that are new, not just like, oh, we're getting to the back catalog finally. I'm right. like, brand new stuff that you know, was off my radar and is good. Not just off my radar because it's not any good. Like, this is good stuff. They have free apps for iPhones and Android, uh, even Windows phone users. You're not left behind. You can download and listen to the audiobooks there. And w- unlike streaming or rental services, you own the books. So come on, go, go try out some Audible. They're offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice. If you've been hearing us talk about it for years and you're like, I don't know, just just do it now. What is to- this is
0: crazy thing. What are these crazy <laughs> audiobooks you guys keep talking about? Well, you can find out if you head over to audiblepodcast.com slash sword. That's going to give you a free audiobook download of your choice. When you try today, you get to try it out for the whole month. Check it out. Download a free audiobook. Tell your friends. Give them the link.
1: Do you know what, what I'm listening to? to? What are you listening to? On Basilisk Station by David Weber.
0: Really? Oh, that's the one that's been in our list of things that we should be reading for ages now.
1: I know. Well, he's going to be the guest of honor at Baycon. Right. And since I'm going to be going to Baycon, since you tricked me, no, you didn't trick me. I wanted to go anyway. I thought we were both going. No, I'm sorry. But that, No, no, I'm actually looking forward to it. I'm sad that you're not going to be there, but it's still going to be a great time. And David Weber's the guest of honor, so I'm like, well, I should definitely get on this on Basilisk Station stuff before then. Yeah. Uh, so that it, you could have that book or any other book for free at audiblepodcast.com slash sword.
0: We are big fans, and you will be too if I know anything about you, which is everything. Yeah. Because I know everything about you.
1: Veronica is the NSA. I'm just yeah,
0: saying. just saying. I know some things. I know some stuff.
1: She has all your phone calls.
0: Audiblepodcast.com slash sword. Thank you to Audible for their continued support of the sword and laser.
1: After- Shall After- we do some yes. TV movie You heard me inhale. Yeah. Damn it. Yep.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> Time for some TV movies and video games.
0: George R. R. Martin has a detailed plan for keeping the Game of Thrones TV show from catching up to him. This is on vanityfair.com, which is a site we don't often source.
1: <laughs> no, I know, but they have good interviews and this interview is with George R. R. Martin. Now, I don't know if I buy it. He for, he says first of all, you know, the length of the books mm-hmm. is such that they can do a couple seasons out of them now, right? Okay. Now that we're into a feast for crows, Dance with Dragons is a big book as well. Mm-hmm. Storm of Sword, it's as big as Storm of Swords. He's like, first of all, these next two books, they're going to have to reveal them in a different order than I did in the books, because I he split them up, if you remember. Um and then he says if they stretch them over a couple of years, that'll help because then I'll have a little more time. He's also says he's not opposed to them taking a hiatus like Breaking Bad did. And just giving some extra time for nobody, him to
0: catch nobody up. Nobody wants that. So I'm going to read his quote. Yeah, yeah, I do. He says, The season that's about to debut covers the second half of the third book. The third book, A Storm of Swords, was so long that it had to be split into two. But there are two more books beyond that, A Feast for Crows and A Dance with Dragons. A Dance with Dragons is itself a book that's as big as A Storm of Swords. So there's potentially three more seasons there between Feast and Dance if they split it into two the way they did with Storms. Now, Feast and dance take place simultaneously, so you can't do feast and then dance the way I did. You can combine them and do it chronologically, and it's my hope that they'll do it that way, and then, long before they catch up with me, I'll have published The Winds of Winter, which will give me another couple of years, and it might be tight on the last book, A Dream of Spring, as a juggernaut forward.
1: Here's the problem with this. I have read elsewhere that the producers of Game of Thrones had se- have said they are going to do seven seasons, and that's it. So if there are seven books and they've only got seven seasons, yeah, what's that about? Well, like,
0: but I mean, they're, they're already kind of screwing up because they're already in the second half of the third book.
1: I know. So they're not going to finish all the books. They're just going to leave off at the end of A Dance with Dragons or something?
0: I don't know. They're, they'll figure it out because people just want more of this stuff. They're not going to just like...
1: No. And George up. Martin has sat down with the producers, Benioff and Weiss, and said... Here's how it all plays out. Like those two guys now know the, how how all of these books are going to end up. They know the fate of everyone in Westeros.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure they have worked it out. I'm jealous. Clearly, of they have a plan. They have to have a plan.
1: They must have a plan.
0: They're just not telling us the plan.
1: Man, they probably shouldn't tell us the plan.
0: They should tell us the plan.
1: They could tell us. I mean, they can we're tell trust us personally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why not? Would put it on the show. Oh, geez. No, I mean, it's not like maybe they did for
0: this kind of thing.
1: Tell us the plan. <laughs> yeah. The plan. <laughs> Deadline is reporting that Entertainment One Television and De La company, uh, Entertainment One is behind Bitten, Walking Dead, Haven. Uh, De La Renta's company is behind Hannibal, are working together to develop a television series based on the Friedrich Pohl novel, Gateway. Hmm.
0: It's a little adaptation news.
1: Yeah, uh, we, we get these from time to time. We always caution people don't get too worked up about them. Having a deal... Even for a TV series, it's even worse for movies. Having a deal for a TV series doesn't actually mean the TV series gets made. We've been seeing Neil Gaiman, American Gods, hop from production company to production company and network to network. Um, but it's a dystopian wreck of a future, as they say on io9. So it seems like the kind of thing that would be good. And we, we have a dearth of spaceship-based stuff. We'll get to that in a minute. So it would be good to see another science fiction series get underway.
0: And speaking of which... There is a sci-fi series about to get underway. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there?
1: That was uh, good. Thank you. I said, yeah, sci-fi, you channel,
0: sci-fi channel has long been promising to get back to their roots and have shows about spaceships. About damn like time. That. It's about time. No more of these. Did they do the Sharknado? Yes, they did. They did the Sharknado. They did. They're getting back to their roots now with this one. There's going to be a, uh, hopefully a new show called Ascension, and it's going to be a grand old space opera. And about a generation ship, and apparently it's part Battlestar and part Downton Abbey, and it follows the 100-year-long space shuttle of colonists fleeing an Earth-threatened by the early Cold War.
1: Now, that's the part that confuses me. I'm all on board for this, by the way. Like, generation ship, they describe it as
0: You part, had me at Downton Abbey Yeah, and Battlestar. part
1: Battlestar, part Downton Abbey. That's amazing. But they're fleeing the Cold War— is it like secret technology that we didn't know? Is that going to be part of it cuz that could be cool.
0: Maybe it'll be kind of
1: I don't know. It like there was a secret 80s, plan to get a, get people like off style? earth. I mean that that could be kind of interesting. I'm I'm actually a sort of, part of me is like that's ridiculous. We would never have been able to do a colony ship mm-hmm. and keep it secret. But okay, let's say we were able to do that. And everybody on board is like stuck in the 80s? I'm
0: I'm okay with this. I'm still okay with it. I, I be, like space opera. You I'm
1: probably focusing opera. on the worst part of this, though. Like I, I, a good space opera on Sci-Fi Network, I'm all for. I, I haven't been watching Helix, which is from the Battlestar creators. Way.
0: Oh, is it? Is it good?
1: Yeah. It's not. Well, it's not exactly. It's not spaceships for sure. And mm-hmm. apparently it's OK. I get mixed reviews. I haven't heard anybody say anything that really convinces me. I, I need to like dive in right away. I am I'm assuming I'll get to it later.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching Once Upon a Time.
1: Oh, the the uh, ABC show yeah. about fairy tales becoming true or yeah. living in a world or something. I've oh, had a okay. Lot of
0: time on my butt, uh, so I've <laughs> just been watching things on Netflix and nice. I started watching it because um because I I've heard really good things and I'm really enjoying it. I'm only on season one and I know there's they just started a new season. Uh, I think there's been three seasons, um, but yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it quite cool. a bit.
1: We also got a post from Nick, who just finished watching the first episode of Cosmos, at least when he had posted it. There have Mm -hmm. been two now. He says, they did a fantastic job on the special effects, and as expected, NDT, Neil deGrasse Tyson, did a terrific job in the role of Carl Sagan, immortalized in the first edition of this amazing series. It is great to see a return of entertaining and educational science programming to one of the mainstream channels. Anyone else excited? Huh? Did you watch it? I did actually. Uh, we've been talking about it on Cord Killers, uh, the show I do with Brian Brushwood, and we've been fairly critical of it, to be honest. But underneath that criticism, we both love it.
0: There's been some cheesy moments.
1: There have definitely I was been cheesy come moments. Out and
0: say, and I feel bad because. Everyone loves it, and my Twitter stream has been a flood with praise for the show, and I think the message of the show and the content of the show is fantastic. I think some of the writing – I didn't – now, okay, I didn't watch the original Cosmos, so I don't know if this is akin to that style, if if this is how it's supposed to be, or if it's just – if NDT is just being a little
1: cheesy, I guess. I feel like there is – some of that cheesiness is is in the style of Cosmos, but I feel like the writing was tighter – with Sagan's Cosmos. And maybe I'm just being an old man who thinks everything was better when I was young.
0: Well, I think it's the quite second possible. episode felt better to me. Okay. I think I – did you see the second episode about evolution?
1: I did, yes. I um, feel like that
0: one felt a little tighter to me.
1: Well, they didn't spend as much time with the cartoons that had evil popes in them, which That's helped. That's true. Uh, and it was about dogs at the beginning, so they that totally sucked. <laughs> it totally sucked me in. Veronica
0: was like, "Yes, oh, yes, I, dogs." I, when, the, when they stop talking about dogs, dogs I was like, can we just talk more about dogs, please? Can we talk
1: and- more about how shepherds are amazingly loyal? Come here, Django yeah. Shepherd. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that it, it, there was some tighter stuff. I, I, part of it is that it's not meant for me; it's meant for people who have less familiarity with science to make it interesting, and and I appreciate that, and it's great. I love uh, the but, little
0: guys little guys that were walking the little they were strutting you know those little uh
1: no what are you talking that about were
0: strutting they were like inside our nuclei, nuclei
1: oh yes you know, the uh lines. the proteins yeah, and the stuff. Proteins yeah, yeah, stuff yeah 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 yeah. that was actually strut. pretty cool i thought the uh the the g- gator that walked up on land with the eyes i love him uh, he's my favorite oh dumb totally dumb no Hate
0: he's it. adorable he's my little mascot
1: no he's so cheesy he's so cute. you want to talk cheesy he's been in that episodes super he's, he's adorable shut up anyway wow. uh as as we mentioned on court killers you know we we have certain things we would like to see be better about it um both brian and i and some of those things are different mm-hmm. but overall i think we're really happy that freaking science is made to look that good good job star trek's brandon braga making it look awesome yeah. uh neil degrasse tyson does a good job and science in prime time man can 't argue with that and
0: taken on taken on all that they are their uh, pill is making my brain addled they are <laughs> they're taking the fight to the creationists
1: right uh, well and and some people are saying that 's not necessary that the, maybe they're being a little combative i didn 't see that in the first episode, maybe saw it a little bit in the second episode, but I actually think they did a better job in the second episode, yeah um about that sort of thing. It's hard, though. If you're going to persuade someone, you don't attack their beliefs. And some people are feeling like, well, maybe they maybe they went too hard after creationism. I didn't see them going directly at creationism, but they were pretty solid about saying, look, this is this is how science works. And this is how the eye evolved. And I felt they bailed out a little early on Cosmos or or on the uh, on the eye evolvement. But you think so? Yeah, I wanted to see them go a little farther. Along that line. But mm-hmm. again, overall, uh, from a science fiction fan's perspective, you're going to like this because it's science. Yeah. It's not fiction, but it looks like science fiction.
0: I don't love a spaceship.
1: No, nah, a spaceship's a little cheesy, but I think some people will love the spaceship, actually.
0: Okay. Well, that's good. I hope they do.
1: I like the opening. It makes me feel like I'm about to watch an episode of Star Trek. I feel like it says from Cosmos the 80s in the or title. 90s.
0: It looks like it says Cosmos.
1: <laughs> cosmos. <laughs> it's because there's a Greek guy, uh, Cosmos, cosmos. Spanakopita, Spanakopita shop. Spanakopita. Sp- sp- <laughs> <Sponsoring>.
0: Spanakopita.
1: <laughs> All right, shall we check in on our book?
0: Yes. Um, we are right now reading Altered Carbon by Richard K. Morgan. And um, I, man, this book is intense. I like it.
1: You know what's funny? I actually found the receipt for when I bought this book in the paperback. It was 2006. I was in Los Angeles. I bought airport? it at LAX. Yeah, you told I'd me the story. Did I?
0: Yeah, I think you did.
1: I don't think I did because you I just found this out like two nights ago.
0: But you told me you bought it in an airport.
1: I told you I bought it in an airport. I didn't tell you I bought it in LAX. I had been down here in 2006 for a conference. Oh. And, uh, I And I was just waiting for a short trip back to San Francisco. I thought I'd been on like some longer flight. Anyway, I remember uh not liking it that much like finishing it i gave it three stars on goodreads in, to, really? in 2009 when i signed up for goodreads and was entering all my stuff in oh yeah i just because i just added it back to my my reading list because i'm currently reading again i'm like huh why did i only give it three stars i so i don't know because i'm
0: do you feel differently I,
1: I definitely feel differently i don't know what it is about my experiences since 2006 but i'm loving it I think like, you're
0: just a more informed reader now
1: that must be it. You've like I later. just didn't understand
0: yeah. the
1: history yeah, of did. science fiction as I do now. Because, uh, cause yeah, it, it, it seems sophisticated. Of course, it takes place in San Francisco, which doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm that's kind of fun to see parts and maybe I wasn't as familiar with the city and that, that didn't appeal to me as much, but I,
0: I didn't even know it took place in, in the Bay area until I started reading. And I mean, they're, they're talking about mission street, which right. is like very close to where I live and Minna, which was like the alleyway. That yes, I know. I know, I know that alleyway. <laughs> and so I was like, it's been fun. And like, he, he, he considers the golden gate bridge, like ugly, like this yes. ugly red bridge. This like old
1: red rust colored thing. Bridge. Yeah.
0: So well, a kick out of that.
1: There's some there's some really cool world building aspects there because it's called Bay City, mm-hmm. which this is far enough in the future. Sure, I mean San Francisco used to be called Yerba Buena, and then they changed it to San Francisco. Maybe they changed it again. Although Oakland is still Oakland mm-hmm. and referred to that way. Uh, and you know, parts of the neighborhoods that were kind of seedy are still seedy. Parts of neighborhoods that were totally good are not good anymore. Oh, I know,
0: like how like Potrero Hill is like a like a.
1: It's like, like a, a dive a truck area.
0: Den, like yes. The, well, I mean, there's some still some bad parts of that area, but it's oh sure, but like the most expensive part of the city now.
1: Right. Uh, anyway, we're getting to San Francisco-centric yeah, here, but you're right. overall, the idea of sleeves is handled very elegantly. Uh, the AI hotel—I can't believe I didn't absolutely love that the Super first time cool. I read it because mm-hmm. uh, I don't think I understood really that it was like no, there are no people, like that—that that is a living entity, and it's treated as such by the police.
0: Right. Um so we got a little uh people were teasing you for not not pronouncing his last name
1: Kovac No so I know Is it
0: or is it Chovac? Chovacs? Which where is the ch sound supposed to be? at the beginning at the end? The end. Okay. At the
1: end. Now here's the thing I might be Kovach. still mispronouncing. It's Takeshi. I was saying Kovax and that that's what they're rightly mocking me for.
0: I would say it, Takashi.
1: It would be Kovacs. Well you're probably right about that. Uh it would be Kovac or it could be Kovac. Like something even more Slavic, but it's definitely not Kovacs.
0: No. So we got that. We figured that out, so thank you guys. Um, yeah. But yeah, you guys seem to be enjoying it too. Uh, we have a post from Amanda on First Impressions. She says, um, I'm about 100 pages in so far and I'm really enjoying myself. After the prologue, I thought, this is going to be fun. And I think I'm now psychic because it is.
1: Wow, Amanda's psychic.
0: Yeah, she says, fun fact, Takashi is a Japanese name that means warrior. Um, she also says, I love how Morgan deals with the idea of having a new body that belonged to a stranger and has its own quirks and addictions. Although Takashi has been re-sleeved multiple times before, he makes it apparent that you never really get used to it. You just freak out a little less.
1: I Um, think I didn't really appreciate the nuances for the sleeves that he gives you mm -hmm. in this book. You know, the the things like the nicotine addiction are pretty front and center. But there are other things he does where he's like having that out-of-body experience where he's looking at himself and he's like, Ooh, that's not me. Who is that?
0: And then later down the line, um, I don't want to get too spoilery But he kind of talks about how when you move from body to body, there's, like, books and papers written about, like, that feeling of of how do you deal with, like, meeting up with your loved ones again, Mm
1: -hmm. and you're in
0: a new body, and, you know, I I can just imagine in the real world what that would be like. Like, if we were able to switch bodies relatively easily um, for whatever reason, whether you die and you get resleeved, or whether you are just doing something to live forever, like you're one of the meths, um, like... There's got to be like psychological papers written about that kind of stuff, like you know, dealing with your new body, or yeah. like, like you know, getting getting to know this new body and you know stuff like well, that.
1: And our identities are so tied into our physical appearance, right. for better or for worse. The ability to just be like, mm, not my physical appearance anymore, that would that could crash your psyche. It'd be really I mean, trippy. That, yeah. Also, payment methods not. <laughs> so awesome in uh richard k morgan's world andres posted is this the most disgusting payment method ever or is it just me i usually hate carrying cash but if i had to lick my thumb and put it everywhere i think i'd definitely go back to cash am i missing something
0: <laughs> i know when i first heard that i was like okay that's a little yucky um and then uh yeah
1: well if you get sick from from people licking thumbs you just get a new sleeve just
0: get a new body just get a new no body. big deal
1: I don't yeah. know what the problem is.
0: But there's some pretty funny discussions about that, that payment method. But why wouldn't you just scan uh, your cortical stack? Right. Like if that's something that belongs only to you exactly. forever, that's what Gregor pointed out. There's got a
1: that, that was brilliant, that Gregor. Because your brain imprint or your engram or something would be more distinctive because DNA used to swap a sleeve and all of well, a yeah. sudden you got that's that guy's Joe credit.
0: In, in for, uh, Joe Informatico says, it is kind of weird that a society where many people switch bodies at will would use biometrics as a security measure.
1: Exactly. So. I mean, I guess you just register a DNA to an identity anyway, but you have to keep switching them.
0: Yeah, that'd be that'd be very confusing.
1: Thumb coin.
0: I wonder why they have to lick it though. Why do you have to lick your thumb? Is that to get a better? Well, that's just for the connection? DNA. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess more
1: makes sense. more than skin flakes.
0: And this is something that I was thinking about actually. Uh, Michelle has a post about punishment. Uh, she says, "Do you think the whole idea of being stacked for however many years is a useful way of punishing someone who has broken the law?" aside from the fact that your friends and family will have aged or be dead or whatever, I love how she's like offhand like, or whatever, uh, you don't really suffer anything. You just wake up without any realization of how much time has gone by. Uh, there's no time to regret or grow or change or learn. You'd still wake up a criminal who maybe didn't give a damn about any family or whatever anyway. I don't. I was kind of wondering that myself too while I was reading. Like, what is the punishment? And I, I, until we learn about some of the, like, torture stuff and how... You know time goes by very differently when you're virtual, like when you're not in a body and you're just kind of in your mind yeah. prison and you know they can be torturing you for months or years, and only a couple of days or hours has gone by in real time
1: that so. could be you know that 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 could be an unwritten part of this i suppose mm-hmm. is that even though the it the time seems to have gone by in a in a second, you're in agony the entire time, yeah um joanna points out too that some of what she has read indicates that positive support networks keep people from falling back into a pattern of crime making it so a person has nothing left to lose seems like it wouldn't be helpful yeah so So it's like oh your support network to all dead well i guess they're not dead though they'd just be in different sleeves
0: yeah well i mean it depends if you can afford that it seems like not everyone has right
1: not everybody has the good insurance policy yeah.
0: I mean obviously the, the main characters that we're dealing with are rich beyond imagining and so they can afford to have multiple clones.
1: They live in Pacifica.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> or something. I don't know where they can't remember.
0: Yeah. But I, I you know, he's he's kind of a Takashi Kovach is uh he's he's definitely a badass. Like he's got he's got a rogue side to him and I like him as a character. Um there was also some discussion about like the female characters in the book and and are there any strong female characters and mm-hmm. I think we should probably talk about that more once the book is done. I'm like seventy five percent of the way through um so I want to reserve some of my thoughts I'm
1: about I'm little not. little more than half i'm I'm keeping good pace on the month so mm-hmm. uh that that brings up our April book actually okay. uh so we will we will and hopefully we won't forget to wrap up alter Sorry carbon about
0: that yeah yeah, that was. I don't think we've
1: that. ever done that before, no, so apologies that. for that last month. Uh, our April book will be selected by Brian Benson, who backed our Kickstarter. We had one Kickstarter level reward for one person who would get to pick one of our books, and April's going to be the book. Uh, thank you, Brian. The book is "A Dance of Cloaks" by David Dalglish. Dalglish. Uh, Thren Fellhorn is the greatest assassin of his time. Aaron Fellhorn has been groomed since birth to be Thren's heir. Sent to kill the daughter of a priest, Aaron instead risks his own life to protect her from the wrath of his guild. Assassin or protector, every choice has its consequences. All
0: right. Interesting. I like a uh, good assassin book.
1: Yeah, no, this this is a good pick. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And it's one of those books that I don't think we would have found. I don't think we would have considered. I don't know if it would have made its way into our list. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool that we have somebody who backed us, made the video show possible, and also is like helping us discover something totally new. Also, Brian is an author himself. Uh, and so he was, he was very sensitive. He's like, I don't want to pick my own book and force it on people, but we're going to make his book our official alternate book pick partly in thanks. So check out brand by Brian Alexander Benson as well. It's a fast paced fantasy action novel with steampunk tendencies, and it's the first book in the order of Illuminan series. Plus we'll have Brian on our wrap up episode in April to talk about a dance of cloaks as well as his book.
0: Nice. Well, that is definitely a wrap up episode we won't forget to do. For sure, <laughs> so. <I hope> not. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be ridiculous. So yeah, thank you so much uh, to Brian. We're excited to check out your picks. All right, let's hop into Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Our first post is from Dustin, and he's talking about what good would come. What good would come? Aliens arriving from another planet. Mm-hmm, what good would mm-hmm. come? I think he meant to say what good would come from aliens arriving from another planet. Um, We've all seen the movies where aliens attack Earth, uh, which are always relentlessly corny, and the human spirit overcomes overwhelming technology and weapons. Um, I have further problems with these movies, being that alien invasions are used as a justification for the hero to kill and destroy without concern your orcs of your science fiction. Ender's game should have killed the genre, yet it kept going. Um, But I'm curious if there are any positive reasons aliens might visit Earth. Uh, Movies always say that they'd show up to share knowledge, but always seem incredibly one-sided. They'll explain intergalactic travel, and they get what? An iPhone? 3D glasses? Perhaps they're lonely. Are humans really the best entertainment they could find? It's an odd discussion, but I've wanted to have it for a while.
1: This is a really good discussion going on. I mean, Phil brings up my first thought, which is, Phil writes, why would humans go to another planet themselves? Mainly for scientific curiosity. I imagine with aliens it might be the same.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um. That's really, I mean, just somebody
1: else brings up trade, knowledge. you know, well, we, economics. We really
0: have, I mean, unless they want, unless we have some valuable resource that they don't have on their planet, you know. Like,
1: well, but maybe even water. just for cultural goods, right? I mean, when you go to another country, what do you take home? Souvenirs. It's a big right. trade. Like if somebody came for scientific curiosity and was like, we want your music and your art because it's interesting to us. We'd probably want theirs too.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: There yeah, might I be technologies we've never thought of, too, that aren't s- necessarily advanced, just different ways of doing things.
0: Wouldn't it just seem more like if, if aliens got all the way here? I feel like are there a lot of stories where aliens get here and then they just are kind of stuck. I mean, that happens <laughs> once in a while, right?
1: Like, like, just, a, like, like a, a guest so that just won't leave. Like, hey, can we crash on your planet?
0: Forever. It's been a
1: month. When are you guys coming back to your planet?
0: Traveling through space and time is hard. So like, yeah. maybe they get here and they're just kind of, you know, they're just stuck. Yeah, I, maybe I should write that story.
1: You should write that story. That's a, that's that's a good basis. Yeah, like the the aliens that came for dinner and never you left. Just
0: never leave like your in laws. <laughs> that's funny. And then uh, this is another thread that I think we kind of discussed a little bit um, with Anthony uh, Saint Clair in the future. Um, or in the past future. Uh, recommend a book you think most people haven't heard of. Uh, this was started by Joey. Um, he says, I'm always interested in finding new sci-fi and fantasy series to dip my toes in, but inevitably, when I take to message boards to ask for people's recommendations, the same ten or so series get named. Uh, looking for some new epic fantasy. What have you guys got for me? Tolkien, and Martin, Rothfuss, Sanderson, Erickson, Brooks, Abercrombie, etc. What's good in sci-fi? Card, Corey, Scalzi, Dick, Herbert, Asimov, Heinlein, etc. Um, which isn't to say that these books aren't perfectly worthy of reading. It's just that when the same authors and titles keep being mentioned, I can't help but wonder what other really good fiction is slipping under the radar. Sure, the vast majority of what's out there probably isn't really good, and it's fair to assume that if it was, it would have a higher profile. Regardless, let's try something. Think of the books you've read and enjoyed, and recommend me the one you think the fewest people have heard of. I'll go first. Shadow by K.J. Parker. And he goes on to describe it.
1: Well, let me tell you, this is a dangerous thread, ladies and gentlemen. Why? Why is uh, if you are one of those people who says constantly like, oh, I enjoy sword and laser, but my reading list is just getting so big. This is going to destroy your reading list. This is because you are going to have tons of recommendations that you have never heard of before and well recommended right mm-hmm. not just like throwing out a bunch of names but people saying like oh you've got to read this no- novella it's it's strange funny and touching jellyfish dreams and you're going to be like oh oh check out jellyfish a brief history of the dead that sounds really cool you know like this is this is both a blessing and a curse i'm just saying
0: <laughs> okay all right
1: I but I'm just, know. I'm just now saying I'm like
0: jellyfish dreams. Cause that does sound exactly.
1: Really and then you're going to just keep getting your list bigger and bigger and bigger. But it's amazing. Cause I, you know, I w- go went through here and the first, uh, I think it was Christina who recommend bridge of birds, which we have read as a choice before and the rook. And I'm like, okay, yeah, those are off the beaten path. I guess I'll probably know most of these. And then I didn't know another one.
0: Like for After the rest of, of the entire like, thread? Well,
1: I don't know if it's the entire thread, but for quite a long time, I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds great. Oh, Sharon Shin's first novel. I, I've heard of Sharon Shin, but I didn't know The Shape Changer's Wife, and it just kept going like that. Yeah, there's like,
0: a lot of books in this thread.
1: It's amazing.
0: Uh, is there anything that you would recommend off the top of your head?
1: You know, actually Altered Carbon is, is one uh, that I probably would have recommended before now. Mm. This is one uh, even though I only gave it three stars, apparently. Yeah, you didn't um, it that much back then. It got better in my memory? I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think, line. like, what's kind of an off-the-beaten path? You know, memoirs found in a bathtub.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> you can't recommend that anymore.
1: Uh, shoot. You're
0: looking um, at your bookshelf right now, aren't you? I
1: am. I'm totally <laughs> looking at my bookshelf right now for, for inspiration. Just to jog my memory. I'll and go. I'll go. Yeah, you go.
0: Um, this series I, I read when I was a kid uh, through Wolf's Eyes, Wolf, Book One by Jane Linscold. Um, I don't know how many people have read this. I actually have no idea if it's a popular book or not, but I've never heard anyone else talk about it. Um, but I really, I really enjoyed it.
1: Uh, Robert Reed.
0: Robert Reed. Marrow. That's the name of the book.
1: That is the name of the book, Marrow. It's about this ridiculously large an abandoned space station that is discovered by humanity and they're trying to figure out like what the hell's going on with it
0: Hmm. okay
1: like who built it why did they build it why is it coming yeah exactly
0: interesting well if you guys want to suggest some off the beaten path books um, as if we don't have enough stuff to read already
1: well that was part of the problem is like i've pretty much only read sword and laser picks for so long
0: yeah I know that's that's kind of what I'm going through right now I actually got a big box of books from PixelCore we've been using the studio as our um, delivery point for for books and arcs and things like that and so I got a huge box full of books now they're just like piled up on my floor I actually have a package for you too it's in I didn't want to open it because it has your name on it Um, so I guess I'll have to give it to you when you're up in San Francisco next month Uh, If I remember, which.
1: Oh, yeah, we're uh, we don't really have details nailed nailed down, so we can't talk about it too much. But uh, we should be doing an event April 12th Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. So stay tuned if you're a Bay Area resident
0: in conjunction with SF and SF. Yeah. Um, So that should be fun. And involving Mr. Daniel Suarez. Um, who is fantastic. So details on the blog with that soon. Oh, and by the way, we should also mention uh, that we're doing some uh, reviews on the site now. Um, Oh, right.
1: We've got two of them up now. But
0: we're not doing them. You guys are doing them. Uh, I posted a thread in the forums about uh, looking for book reviews, and and there's a a FAQ on the website as well if you want to check out the guidelines. Um, But basically, we're just looking for reviews from you um, that are... uh, we, we, you know, if you've written them for other blogs before, like we, we kind of want stuff that's original for Sword and Laser. So if you have it on your Goodreads, that's fine. Um, but we're just, you know, we don't want it to be on multiple other publications and stuff. Uh, a little bit of exclusivity. Uh, but yeah, if you've read something that you really loved or something new or something classic, uh, hit us up, send the review uh, to reviews at swordandlaser.com. But make sure you check out those guidelines first.
1: Excellent stuff. Thank you all. Uh, anthology news coming soon. Yes. It's hopefully hopefully by next week we'll have God, like significant done. news uh yeah it's i mean to, to give you where it is right now we've like done with the galleys we've looked it over and we just need to make sure that the authors get copies first before mm-hmm. anybody else and once we've got that taken care of then hopefully it'll be heading out to the kickstarter backers and then after the kickstarter backers it will be available for everybody
0: Alright, well I think that about wraps it up. Um, hey, we are part of the Boing Boing Podcast Network and if you want to check out some other awesome shows including the Geek Podcast um those are over at boingboing.net slash category slash podcasts and of course if you want to get in touch with us, our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com the website is swordandlaser.com all of our YouTube videos live over at youtube.com slash the, the sword and laser
1: the sword
0: and laser and if you want to call and leave us a voicemail the phone number is 415 7 sword 6 we will see you guys next time adios
1: adios this podcast is part of the frog pants studios network for more information about this and other shows visit frogpants.com